Epilogue of a Mayfair Magician A Romance of Criminal Science This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. A Mayfair Magician, A Romance of Criminal Science by George Griffith. Epilogue the mystery of the deaths of Hedley Siemens and his newly wedded bride, which fell like a thunderbolt upon the social world of Europe and America, to say nothing of that financial world from which one of the greatest powers had so strangely and so suddenly disappeared, was never cleared up. The newspapers of many countries naturally did their best, and worked up odds and ends of dubious and partially and wholly incorrect information into thrillingly sensational narratives which perhaps went quite as well as the truth would have done, and there, as far as the public was concerned, the matter ended. There were certain international reasons why the inner life of the brilliant woman who had once been Princess Karanatieff should not be too closely inquired into. She was dead, and so was her newly wedded husband, and they were buried with all due ceremony in the catacombs under the foundations of Natiefburg which had received the remains of nearly twenty of her ancestors, although this was perhaps the first time that the body of a once notorious American desperado had received such honorable sepulture. On examination of his body, the wound inflicted by Godfrey Enstone's bullet was found to be there. Both Harold Enstone and Mr. Cantor identified him, and the latter said with characteristic force, Well... There is no doubt about that being what's left of Collier Banfield. But whatever the princess may have been, it seems an almighty shame to plant a low-down skunk like that alongside of her from now to the day of judgment. Still, I guess it's got to be, and that's all there is to it. There was very little difficulty about the extradition of Jenner Halkine. There were many who had cause to know him too well. And finally, to make the matter quite certain, Isa Ramal, after a brief but pregnant interview with Harold Enstone and a solicitor from the Treasury, decided to escape prosecution by telling all that he knew about the extraordinary circumstances under which Halkine's apparent death had been arranged. When this interview was over, he at once went into the Sanctuary of Secrets, and after looking for a while at the ill-omened machine on the table, he murmured to himself, I always told him that such a thing could work, even in the hands of the wisest, for evil, and not for good. It has produced no good and produced much evil. We have not yet reached that perfection which would justify man in using such an instrument as this. It shall cease to exist, and its secrets shall die with him and with me. And that day, before sun had set, the soul-searcher, the most marvelous machine that human knowledge and almost superhuman experience had ever devised, had most satisfactorily ceased to exist. As soon as his extradition was completed, Jenner Halkine, once more masked and goggled, was, in the ordinary course of things, taken back to Nethermore, the prison from which he had escaped in such extraordinary fashion. His advent was quite an event, in the cold, silent world which is enclosed by prison walls. As an escaped prisoner, he had first to undergo the ordinary punishments, the starvation diet, 
the solitary cell and the forfeiture of all hope of remission of his sentence. In the mental sense, this killed him, but as the event proved, one element of human nature was left alive in him. When his period of punishment was over, he was sent out to work with one of the quarry gangs, and when they got to work, his eyes, peering through the darkened glasses of his goggles, recognized in the thin, bronzed, scrubby-bearded convict beside him all that three years' penal servitude had left of the once sleek and well-fed man who had been his accomplice in the Instone tragedy. Hello, Halkine. He heard a familiar yet curiously unfamiliar voice whisper between the strokes of the picks. Back again, are you? In spite of your dying and coming to life again. But you'll have to die in real good earnest next time to get out. I got the best of it after all. Instone's paying me a thousand a year while I'm here, and I'm to have five thousand down when I get... <coughs> he never uttered the other word. Halkine swung his pick as high as he could above his head, and instead of striking the stones, the point of it took Bonham Denyer in the back of the neck, smashed the vertebra, and sank down deep into his lungs. As the corpse dropped, he let go the handle, walked up to the warder in charge of the party, and told him what he had done. A month later, the man who might have been one of the most brilliant scientists in the world, if his genius had only been properly directed, and if it had not been, as my friend Dr. Saunderson always maintained, warped by one of the most obscure forms of insanity, and might have added untold treasures to the stores of human knowledge, stood with the white cap over those once all-compelling eyes of his, with the hangman's noose lying on his shoulders, and the double doors opening into the pit of death beneath his feet. He heard the chaplain read the words of the burial service. The last words he heard were, Christ, have mercy upon us. And as the bottomless pit opened, myriads of lights flashed to and fro. Then came the darkness through which the soul of Jenner Halkine passed to its next incarnation. The End End of Epilogue Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista End of A Mayfair Magician A Romance of Criminal Science By George Griffith